Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker. This is a new or unfamiliar voice on the podcast because it's Matt Corker, and I get to host today with a really good friend, Lori Corquera, and she is the co-founder and CEO of Spark Creations. And it is incredible because our paths actually crossed through Disrupt HR, which Team Corker now has the privilege of hosting. And you took the stage and really talked about your life's work and life's purpose, bringing more love and compassion into the workplace, both personally and professionally. And I get so excited about talking about this topic with you as it relates to how we show up as leaders, but more importantly, how do we show up as humans in the workplace? And, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but we are, we're going to talk a little bit about the, some new findings that you've discovered that you'll be sharing later, but I want to like turn it over to you right away, Lori. And so you run this people consulting business. What does a typical day in your life look like? Great. Thanks for asking. And I just want to thank you for having me on this podcast. You know, it was your sister at the first Disrupt HR that inspired me to join as soon as I saw, saw her speak and just the energy that she had. I was like, I want to be like her in the next one. I'm sure you did the same. You were probably in the same room. And then we both did the second Disrupt HR. So I just love that it's come full circle. And here we are uh, connecting. And yeah, I just love all the work that, that you both do. So yeah, a typical day for me, it's going to scare people a little bit, depending if you're a morning person or not. But I get up at 4 to 4.30 in the morning. Are and you serious? Yeah, I do. I do. I made it a habit. It was five before. And I was finding that five wasn't enough time to just do my meditation and my yoga, like everything that I would normally do before my workout at six. So I <laughs> added an extra half an hour to an hour. Well, lately it's been 4.30 only because we had the holiday break, but usually it's 4 a.m. And then I do my meditation, which is usually the Calm app, or if I feel really energized, I'll do the TM, the 20-minute one on my own. I'm also doing my gratitude journal. So I do gratitudes, eight gratitudes a day. I do a bit of stretching and then drink a full glass of water with apple cider uh, vinegar. And then I just start reading. Like, you know that I'm on social media a lot and I share a lot. It's not so much that I'm, I mean, I love to support other people's work as well. And I, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm liking everything so that they're I'm going to put something more and more motivated to do that. But I also love to share information. So yeah, that's my day. And then I do my spinning. I've been, I remember again, seeing your sister post something about spinning and I was like, oh, maybe I should check that out. And I, it was so hard. The first three times, you know, I, I thought I was going to die. And then now I, I do uh, do spinning five days a week. So it's pretty um, amazing. I love it. That is unreal. And so then this all <laughs> happens before most of the world wakes up. Yeah, yeah. By by by, so because I finished at six fifty. So by six fifty, I've done all of that. Yeah, for for the first three hours, I've already <laughs> posted everything. I've stretched. I, if I'm even on a Friday, I might even put a song on and dance to it. <laughs> so when do you go to bed then? This is what I want to know. Okay, how do you so, make sure you get enough sleep? Totally. Yeah, I uh, I'm I start to talk about bed around eight o'clock. 
trying because we, we we have dinner and then we talk and, and then we watch some of our shows. So about eight o'clock, I'm like, oh, babe, it's time to go to bed already. And so by 830, I'm like, you know, in my, in my pajamas, if I didn't do that already, as, as soon as I got home from work. And then, yeah, we're probably in bed between 830 and nine. Wow. I know it's hard on Friday nights and Saturdays because we want to go out and I got to stay up past nine sometimes, but uh, I guess my body's used to it. That is remarkable. Way to go. 4 a.m. I, I thought I lived in a world where people woke up early, but you really topped the charts. And then tell us about when you say you go to work, what does work look like for you on a t- typical day? Well, right now I'm, I'm actively putting the culture report and just re- uh, reviewing all of that right now. But a typical day would be, you know, after I, I do a mo- my morning routine, we'd go to a client's uh, or meet up with a client. So it's either meeting them doing the work at their location or we're meeting with prospective uh, clients and just connecting. I'm, you know, business development to me hasn't really been about growing the business. It's always about providing value and service. So I've just been really good at staying in touch and, and building relationships and connections. And I love connecting with people. Anyone who is, um, you know, reach out to me and they, they've never, you know, I've never met them. I've always, I always give people time. I'm the person that responds to most of my LinkedIn messages because I just want uh, people to know that they, that I see them and that they're there. And then, you know, it only takes five minutes to see if you're able to support them in some way. Mm -hmm. And you do a lot of work with teams and with individuals when it comes to creating cultures that, allow humans to feel more loved and included in the workplace. Tell us about an example or or a story that you were really proud of the work that you got to do. Yeah. Well, we, I don't know if you knew this, uh, Matt, that we started our company for the first two years as a side hustle. I was working full time in an HR role for a tech company and I had gone through, you know, a divorce and saw a coach. The coach helped me define my values and purpose. And this was around 2010. Like I'm a, a bit of a late bloomer with all of this work. And that's when I started, you know, doing the vision and goals for Lululemon. And I just started, you know, attending all these retreats. Like I just have, Guys embraced it, like went all in in such a short period of time. But it, I really just started around 2010 when everything kind of fell apart. And when I experienced the feeling of knowing my values and, and purpose, it changed everything. I, I felt more in tune with myself, grounded, had more courage to show up and, and actually share my voice. And that feeling I, we wanted to share through our women's retreats. And so it's with, through those women's retreats that I, I actually started growing with them. Like I was facilitating these retreats, but I was I had just learned about my values and purpose and now I'm, I'm leading a session on it. So it was really this interesting kind of experience teaching, but also going through it with everyone that we were um, going through the session with. And it was from those retreats that the women were like, you know what, we need to bring more of this conversation or connection or feeling into the workplace. And that's how we decided to bring it into companies. And then I decided to quit my job and go all in it. We, we didn't know that we were going to do this full time. I was really going to be a professional within an, an organization, but more and more people were starting to be open to having a personal conversation. Lululemon back in the day was really the only leading company at the time that was doing that. Every 
do analysis in 2011 when we were bringing this forward, it was like, mm, I don't know if I want to talk about my values or have this personal conversation. But in terms of a specific memory, I guess that was my personal experience that really transformed me. And then bringing it into the companies now, it's it's just amazing to see and witness people. I still get the person in the room going, I just, I just don't know if this is something that our people would be ready for, or can you show me, you know, the return on investments? How do I know it really connects to the bottom line? And it's those people that when they go through the experience and they have this moment of like enlightenment that they become, you know, the biggest supporters. They, they just don't know what they don't know. And I think that's the transformation and that's the, 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 the experience that we're really proud of. Mm. And I love that you mentioned that you are reading and you also have a book in the works. Tell us a little bit about, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your book right now. Yeah. So the book is going to be, it's, so it's called Love First, The Rest Will Follow. And it actually, the idea came from a values rediscovery. Like I hadn't re- reviewed my values in a while. And so we had Kristen Constable lead a session on that with our team. And one of the questions that she gave all of us in our group to, to reflect on was, you know, what do we see bigger for that person than themselves? And Eileen actually did a meditation on me to sort of get clear as to what she wouldn't want to share with me. And she had a vision of me writing this book and the book title was Love First, The Rest Will Follow. And I then changed one of my core values to Love First. And this book is really going to be moments of courage where I was able to choose myself in that moment when we know it's so hard to do that, right? So calling off my web be an example of a short story that will be in the book because it's so easy just to kind of go through it uh, because you have so many people that you're going to let down, but the per- biggest person that you're going to let down is yourself. But it's like so hard to say, you know what, I can't go through this three months before, you know, while the invitations are all out. So it's those moments where I chose to love myself first. And it's just going to really be my journey to loving from a place of fear to loving with fear to loving with love. Holy cow. Loving with fear. Give us a little taste test of what does it mean? What is the distinction? So if someone's listening to this and they're like, what does it mean to love with fear, loving through fear and then loving love? Loving with fear is, you know, I, I made decisions because I'm, I'm like a, a people pleaser, right? There's, there was a time in my past where I was abandoned and, uh, so that particular moment in my life has has fueled me to always want to seek validation or appreciation externally. And so the loving with fear was me making choices based on fear. Like there was always, we all have love and fear within us, but if I was leading from from fear in the beginning uh, unconsciously because I just didn't know that love was within me already to begin with. And I really feel that the journey, the lifelong journey for all of us is to find our way back to our one true love, which is, is us. It's always been there all, all along, but for some reason we lose sight of that because of the external influences, my family upbringing, just you know everything that my mom and my dad would tell me I was supposed to be or success was supposed to 
to look like. And so I got lost in all of that. And a lot of my decisions in the, in the past, which would be part three of the book, or sorry, part one of the book, is all the choices that I made because I was afraid of not fitting in or not belonging or just fear of missing out. Mm. And then how, what was the second stage and how did you transition into that? Yeah, this, the second stage is becoming more aware that there is fear, knowing or understanding the distinction between love and fear. And so part two is really just the moments or experiences of me now becoming more self-aware, you know, understanding or reflecting on those moments in the past and learning from that, being able to choose. But there's still moments where I still chose fear sometimes because again, you go in and out, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, fear shows up for me when I don't take care of myself. Lack of sleep, um, and I miss my meditation. If I don't eat well, I, I feel in my body something's not right. And so then I start to get, ah, you know, what am I going to do? So I start to, you know, scroll on Instagram or, you know, do things or say yes to things that don't mean anything or not mean anything, but are not aligned with my values. So then, so just to please, right? So uh, those are that in that middle part is me just sort of having this dance with fear and, mm. and love and trying to figure out what it really is. The third part of it where I feel I am right now, but still, you know, learning, you know, it's still a lifelong journey. I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm able to now really make choices and set boundaries and, and say yes to me in a place where I just know it. Like I, 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 there's no, there's no doubt anymore or second guessing. I don't need to go outside for, for those answers. I just have to just quiet my mind, quiet my, my heart, like listen and just, it's right there. So that mm -hmm. part three is hopefully learning from the journey and learning from the stories and having some reflection questions is that we, that the people who read the book will get to a place where there's more of that groundedness. I love, I would love the book to be something that they would read often. You know, it, it's going to be kind of part journal, part stories, part some, you know, images and pictures. I want it to be a fun experiential book. And so that it's, it, you know, if you're feeling lost and you want to feel love again, you know, you're going through some changes and you're like, oh, I don't, I just don't know if I should take that job or, you know, be in that relationship or whatever the case may be, you pick up that book and you can go through it and it will, it will leave you feeling refreshed and energized and reconnected to mm. your true love, which is you. Holy cow. I can't wait till <laughs> it comes out. When does it come out? When do people oh get to Oh my gosh. Well, let's, let's, uh, I got to finish, I got to finish writing it. It's been a uh, two years now in the making, Matt. I, it's hard to write a book. Yeah. Because, yeah, you, you get so much of that perfectionism that comes up and like, oh my God, is this the right story? Am I saying it the right way? Am I even like, who am I to write a book? Like those thoughts have come up every, every single moment. Then you feel strong. And so the writing of the book is actually, it's interesting. I feel part two has been the writing of the book. And when I get to, when I finish the book, that will be part three because I, I just pushed through that fear and just said, you know what? I'm putting it out there. This is me. Yeah. <laughs> I really respect that and I um I my first book went live six years ago now oh, yeah. and I recognize I got over the hurdle that like you could be an author like everyone can be an author now you can mm. create a book and put it up on Amazon it'll sell and print for you you never even have to have inventory but yeah. the hard thing is putting pen to paper or yeah. tapping those fingers on that keyboard like that's the real work that now defines 
great authors because to your point, it's like, it's a journey. <laughs> you know, you know what, Matt, I just remembered, I don't know if you notice, I, well, maybe you have, because like, I post a lot. I've been doing a lot more videos just as you were telling me how it was to put pen to paper. I had this moment where you shared with me, Laura, you've just, you've just got to start recording. Like you don't have to post anything. You just got to start recording those videos and get, you know, practice and, and, and you don't have to share it with anyone. And it's because that you share that with me. I was able to just, because uh, part of that going out there and sharing my voice and just not worrying about it and doing it live is, is helping me write my book because I had to go through that in order for me to have the courage to write. So mm. thank you. Cause it just reminded me that's the reason why I do more videos now is because of you. Oh my gosh. Well, I love your video. So please don't stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so then shifting gears a little bit. Oh, actually, no, I don't want to. The one thing that I really was excited about asking is I'm always curious about that journey through awareness, that idea mm -hmm. of, you know, I was basing my, my life out of, of fear, making more of my choices based off fear. And then I started to realize that there were other options I know that you're an active reader. And so were there any books or experiences or resources that helped you mm -hmm. gain that awareness? Yeah, so if well, someone was listening, they could be like, mm -hmm. pick up that book or, or go there. Mm -hmm. Well, don't do it on your own. Although I know a lot of people can start reflecting on certain questions and, and that would definitely be a way to start. I saw a coach and the, a coach was the one who guided me through a process. And I know everyone has their different process. If you could find someone, maybe they are a coach, maybe they're your friend, your partner, but start to have a conversation on questions that, that are more about, you know, you as a person, you know, even questions that are simple as like, what makes you smile? You know, what's one of your proudest moments or what's your big dream for yourself? Like I feel just having a conversation, a deeper conversation into what's most important to you is the start. Because once I knew my values and purpose, that just gave me some fire or spark or energy. I've not been able to stop. Like it just like opened the floodgates of learning. I was trying to think before that, was I an avid learner? I remember taking courses and reading leadership books. But even that, I guess, again, was more from a place of fear. Like, I got to know everything to do my job well. I don't want to be seen. Maybe it's a little bit of that imposter syndrome. I better just know my stuff. So again, the energy and the intention came from a place of fear versus now I just have a love for learning. And it's more about service and being able to contribute and know information so that I can help others. Mm. I love one of the definitions of Dharma is to be of service utilizing our gifts. And yeah. I love this notion of like, how do I know who I am? What are my strengths? What are the things that I bring to the table that make me come alive? And then how do I use those in contribution or to contribute back to the people around me or my communities or the organizations I work for? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Speaking of organizations we work for, you <laughs> just did, or are you mentioned that you're sifting through and putting the final edits on the BC workplace culture scan report yes. that you've really taken the lead on. So for someone who has no idea what that is, mm -hmm. what, what is that to start? For sure. So I'm, I'm curious uh, from you, Matt, are you aware of any report that is on culture around BC companies or in within BC come across any type of research 
research or report around that? Yeah, I think that the only ones that I would say would be like benchmarking surveys that are done through organizations like CultureAmp or other organizations that have a large database of users, but nothing that's done from a provincial perspective that focuses on VC. Exactly. I, I always ask this question because I don't know if we, I mean, I feel like we've done the scan and we've checked and we've talked to as many people as we can, but you never know. There might still be some company or organization that's doing this. And Culture App is definitely an organization. Like they could easily come out with a report. Like I think they have come up with something that they could share without, you know, unveiling who the companies are, but from like a Canada standpoint, but we haven't found anything for BC. So we just thought, you know what, this would be a great opportunity to showcase companies in Vancouver that are doing a really amazing work. I mean, you've probably worked with some amazing companies. Oh, you have. And, you know, do people even know about that? Because because most of the, you know, companies that are highlighted in Inc. or, you know, Harvard Business Review are companies out of, you know, Silicon Valley or Australia or the UK. I don't really hear a lot about companies in Vancouver, maybe OT brands. Brian Scudamore does a really good job at Inc.com. But it's very few that you hear. And does it have to be like these big companies? Does it have to be a company that's been around for a while? There's some amazing companies that are two or three people or less than 10 that are really doing great stuff. So what we wanted to do is find out what those companies are and see if there are any themes that are happening within the companies within BC. Is it something that's different than other cities or other culture hubs? And uh, that's, that's really what we put together. So we're really excited. We've come up with five themes uh, and then we're going to also share BC statistics, some future trends. Um, we're going to, we created something about why culture matters. Like the, it's going to be very um, visual so that people could easily, you know, share it and cut and paste. But we, we put ourselves in the shoes of an HR or people and culture leader. And the thing that they're struggling with is sharing the significance of why people and culture is important. I don't know why it's so hard for business leaders or just people in general to, to understand it, but it is for some of them because it's still a different side of their brain that they're connecting with that maybe they're not used to connecting with, but it, it is time and people want more of that. We all, we see all the trends around uh, mental health and, you know, bringing your whole self to work and deny and inclusion. All of that has to do with the human that's in the workplace. So that's really another layer to the report is that we're pushing a little bit more about really focusing on people more. And I don't want to like give anything away, but <laughs> of the five, would you be able to share sure. one of the themes that you... Yeah, I, I, I was prepared that you were going to ask me, and I want to share two, actually, okay. and, and I'll leave the other three for people to see the report. The first one that, that was like the top one is that workplace culture is something that you feel. And this was a really interesting one. I know you and I get it, right? And then most of the companies that we spoke with, um, whether they said it, it was a feeling, the way they described culture was through feelings and emotions. And that's mm-hmm. where we were able to sort of come up with a theme. So I don't know if they would also you know, agree with it, but you know, if we just looked at the words that they were sharing, everyone described it as a feeling. So we need to understand that it is a feeling, it is, it's based on emotions, P- culture is a group of people and people are emotional creatures. So you, you can't just like not think of it as feeling, but we still have had people through the process say, well, it's more operational. It's not really about feeling, or this was a theme that they didn't really maybe connect with as much, but it did show up as one of the top themes. And then the other one is that it must be defined as intentional. Mm, 
And I know you probably know this from what you do. So what do you think about that theme, defined and intentional? Well, I get really interested because I actually struggle sometimes considering that we're talking about corporate cultures where I actually think that individual teams within organizations have their own culture. And so what tends to get operationalized and defined are more of the employer brand or perks. And so when they're like, you get to like have, let's say half days on Fridays during the summer, I would define that as a perk versus a culture. So what did you notice in like what needed to be defined and operationalized? Well, we, what we found, Matt, is that if it's like a person, like we do a lot of work on ourselves individually, right? So imagine, okay, let's just see this. Imagine if you stop doing your vision and goals or you didn't have your values and your purpose defined for yourself, right? Or for you and your husband, like your partnership, right? Because that's, that's another kind of organization. The most important one is your, your family, right? So imagine if we didn't do that and we decided, you know, let's just wake up every day and live life. You know, we probably could still live life. And, you know, we have, if we're surrounded by great people, we could still make certain decisions with the influence of our, of our circle. So we can kind of get through. But the difference is that when it's more intentional, there's more purpose and drive and energy. You just feel way more connected with each other. Like if you then decided I'm going to create a vision for myself and this is my dream and I'm going to create it with my husband and we're going to have this dream, you know, it starts to, you know, create something special that you feel that you're making, you know, a legacy for yourself. Mm. That's the difference between not having it defined and intentional versus just letting it grow organically. Mm. Another example that uh, Mark Kuo um, described was like a garden. You could just let the garden just grow and it would eventually have weeds and maybe, you know, different kinds of flowers that show up and it'd still be a garden, but it's, you know, it's all kind of (laughs) wild versus if you were intentional with it, you could create something that's beautiful, that's, you know, manicured and with all the flowers and it would be this beautiful masterpiece. So Mm. that's kind of what we were we're finding is that it needs to be defined and intentional if you want a culture that's going to really grow and thrive. Yeah. And especially one that would then support, like if you want a wild backyard, your gar- like let your garden grow. And if you have an intentional vision for your garden, like you got to take care of it. So I really hear that. You know what? I love that you brought that up because every culture is different and what everyone wants is different too. So it, yeah, there could be someone that just wants to have the wild and just let it be and it works for them and that's their culture. Amazing, right? And then there will be people who I want to have a clear vision and and goals and and create this type of life. Awesome. So everyone to each its own and everyone is is (laughs) wholly resourceful, yes. But it needs to be intentional. Like you have to be able to say, I want a wild Mm-hmm. garden or I want a rose bush and yes, those are yes. two different totally oh my god I feel like I could talk to you for hours and we are at our time Lori we I wrap went by up so fast I know <laughs> we need to wrap and okay. the last question we ask all of our podcast guests is what is making your heartbeat faster what's making my heartbeat faster right now in this moment is 
the book and writing the book and my belief that if people really loved, like if they spent time to learn more about themselves and, ex and had this radical acceptance of who they are and they, they lived from a place of pure love because they love themselves, they can then share that love with others. And just having the opportunity to work with people, individuals and teams and organizations to get to that place of love, yeah, that's what makes my heart beat faster. Mm. Well, 10 years ago, you started this journey for any of those that are listening, that are looking for a reason to start their journey this decade. You know, it's never too late to start doing the work, as Laurie would recommend, with someone, a coach, a friend, a lover, or whoever it is, but start doing the work so that we can love ourselves a little bit more this year, and especially so that that love can trickle out to those around us. Mm -hmm. I loved having Wonderful. you on this podcast. That was an amazing summary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, until next time, see you soon.